Welcome, everybody. We're glad to have you at Fellowship Bible Church today. Take your Bibles. Let's, uh, you can take your Bibles. You can take your phone. You know, carry this up. Now I don't know what to do with it. Go to Matthew chapter 2 and Luke chapter 2. If you have a handout, you can follow along with us there. You can also pull up your app, follow along. We don't care, just look at the Word today. All right, here's, here's the million-dollar question. Who's done with their Christmas shopping? Let me ask it a different way. Who's not done with their Christmas shopping? Time is running out. Here's the question I love. How many of you, got, remember you're in church, Okay. How many of you are re-gifting this year? Anybody? And proud of, I like, how many of you are proud you're re-gifting? There you go. There you go. I hope it's not my gift. But nonetheless, nonetheless, boy, I want to give a shout out. Uh, Matter of fact, he's standing in the back. Pastor Jim and Miss Sue, thank you for helping us with breakfast today and they're, they're watching some of your kids downstairs. I was going to say our kids, but I don't have any down there. They're your kids, and make sure you pick them up when we're done, all right? But uh, we would we thank you, Jim and Sue, for all of your help, the team that helped put breakfast together. I like that. We should have breakfast every Sunday, in my opinion. And by the way, there is a somewhat of a picture booth over in the... Um, fellowship area. So some of you ought to, sw- not yet, after church, swing out there and get your picture taken. All right. You all look, as, as they said down in the, in the holler where I grew up, you all look purdy today. So anybody have anything in your life you wish you could change? Maybe health. Some of you are going, I wish I could change my health. Maybe I wish I could change the pace of my life. A little hectic, a little busy. I wish I could change the financial situation that I find myself in. Some in the room today will go, I wish I could change my marriage. Just wish it was healthy. Wish I could strengthen these relationships. Some of you are gathering and some of you are not gathering with family this holiday season because you wish that relationship and that dynamic was different. And I don't know about you. I think you're probably much like me. It's easy to lose focus and lose peace. Do I get a witness in the room today? We can just lose focus and we lose peace. And I promise you this, every time we lose focus, chaos is headed our direction. We've been talking in this series out of Matthew chapter one and two about the story of Christmas. It was the story of promise and the story of love, the story of joy. Today, we want to talk to you about this story of peace. And I hope, I hope you're sensing God's presence in this room today. As our team has led us and hopefully you've come well prepared and you're ready to offer back a sacrifice of praise and an act of worship to the Lord today. And I'll submit to you at the very beginning, as we talk about all of this about peace in the next 30 minutes or so, some of you said, yeah, right, 30 minutes, but I'm hoping, 30 minutes, that uh, peace on this earth is not a situation, 
And it's not a feeling. Peace in your life is not going to happen because circumstances changed or you feel a little bit better about yourself or about those things around you. Hear this today, and you may write it down somewhere on your handout. Peace is not a feeling or a situation. Peace is a person. Peace is a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. I'm 57 years old, and I can assure you I have never known peace on this earth. But I know peace. Do I get a witness? I know peace today. When I look in the, in the dictionary, the definition of peace is this freedom from disturbance, just this calm. Some of your homes have gotten super chaotic this weekend. Uh, my daughter and her husband, John, who are with us today, they came in Friday and they brought the grand dogs with them. <laughs> Sue and I will put the house back on the foundation next week. Sometimes your house just explodes when, when family shows up, don't they? And then you add Christmas to it and all that that comes and everything feels like chaos and chaotic and some of you are looking forward to Tuesday where it's just a little bit of an exhale and you can calm. I think of the Christmas story and all that we talk about Christmas of peace. But do you realize there's not a lot of peace in the Christmas story itself? When you go back and you look at it, you think, just, just consider Mary with me for a moment. How much peace does this young girl have to be an unwed girl who finds herself pregnant as a teenager? And people ask and she says, oh, it's okay. I've never been with a man. I'm pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And they're going, yeah, right. Then her fiance says, by the way, we have to travel for taxation for a census. So do you mind riding 90 miles on a donkey? <laughs> Lovely, right? Only to get to the little town of Bethlehem and find that there's no room for them at the hotel at the inn because there's only one. So they go to the cave for her to give birth to a baby and the cave is full of animals and all things that animals bring with them. Then it's time to give birth. And nobody rushes in with the epidural. I assure you there was no peace in that cave that night, right? Can you imagine all the turmoil that's taken place in this young girl's life? No peace in the cave. No peace in the city. No peace anywhere. That's Mary's circumstance. And then you, you got to look at Joseph's side. Matter of fact, if, you're, if you've got your Bibles, we're going to wrap this up over in chapter 2. I just want you to look at the tail end of this, verses 19 through 23. You have to go back and read these two chapters if, you, if you're just getting here on the back side of this. But it says in 19, after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. That's important. He's in Egypt now. And says, get up and take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. Because those who intended to kill the child, they are now dead. Verse 21, so he gets up, he took the child and his mother and they entered the land of Israel. You see the first word of verse 22? But, anytime you see that, there's no more peace. But when he heard that Archelaus was ruling over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the region of Galilee. 
And then he went and settled in a town called Nazareth to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets that he, Jesus would be called a Nazarene. Mary had a difficult situation, but Joseph, Joseph is up against it as well. Here he is, he's got this new little family, this baby and his wife, and he's getting moved all over the place. I can assure you, Andrew Yoder, where are you? He is duck and cover. I see you right there. Has their brand new baby boy in church with him today. He's three weeks old. I dare you to go home and tell Mary we're moving. Get her there next week and go, no, this won't work. Let's move again. And get there and go, you know what? I think let's do this again. Your head would be on a platter, man. You're done. Here's Joseph who has kept the purity of his fiancée, who's honored the command of the Lord, only to find out that she's pregnant. Totally upends his day and his life. To have an angel show up to him and go, don't worry, the Father is God. He goes, great, that takes care of everything. The angel tells him, you got to go to Bethlehem. They find out again, no place for the baby. Then he finds out King Herod, who's a wicked man, decides he's going to kill all the babies two years and under. So he takes off and he moves to Egypt, leaves all of his family, leaves all of his friends, his work, everything he knows. He lives in Egypt for two years. And then sometimes this, these kings show up. We don't know, as we talked last week, who they really are or how many they were, but they brought these incredible financial gifts. While Joseph and Mary and Jesus are in Egypt, God says, why don't you go back to Israel? And as he goes back to Israel, he gets nervous about Herod's son, who's just as bad as his dad was, and then takes off for the land of Nazareth. Can I just ask you this morning, does, this, does any of this sound like peace? And we go, oh, the Christmas story, it's all so peaceful. It's really not. Because peace, again, is never about a circumstance and it's never about a feeling. Peace is about a person. And everything that we've talked about, everything I've mentioned to you thus far is all dealing circumstantial. It's all dealing with our responses to situations and our emotions. But here's the thing I love about Joseph. Joseph was connected to God, as was Mary. And these two, in their connection to the one who is peace, understood how to respond in chaos. If you're still in Matthew, you can look at verse 119. And it simply says this about Jacob, Joseph. Her husband Joseph being a just or a righteous man. What an epitaph, right? Here lies whoever who was a just or a righteous person. This is the characteristic of Joseph. This is why when all of these things happen and the angel is telling him all of these things, he doesn't fly into a panic. He doesn't run into a rage. He doesn't fall apart in a pile. He's not hiding in the corner. Joseph, being a righteous man, and to be a righteous man or a just man means that he has this relationship with the Father. 
And because he has a right relationship with the Father, he can deal with the circumstances of life. Do you hear that this morning? You get a right relationship with the Father, you will deal with all that takes place here in life. Go over to the famous passage with me of Luke chapter 2. By the way, am I the only one in the room? And Michael, thank you for reading Luke 2 to us today. But were some of you following along and going, that's not right, that's not right, because we memorized it in the King James. You remember the, the old historical translation of that passage? But just pick it up at the tail end of this. Look at verse 12 today, Luke chapter 2. This will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped tightly in a cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angels praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Underline that phrase, peace on earth to people he favors. You need to understand that. We've never known peace on earth. This doesn't say that there will no be, no be no more wars. This doesn't say that pestilence goes away. It doesn't say that heartache and difficulty is no longer in your life. It doesn't say that health is always going to be grand and glorious for you. It just simply says at long last, it's not circumstances, it's a person. A person named peace, Jesus Christ, is now here on earth. That's what that passage means. It's not that everyone was singing in angelic voices, and there was no more chaos. It's that peace had showed up. Do you remember the famous verse out of Isaiah that he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God? And what's the next one? The Prince of Peace. When you go back and you do a quick study of that phrase, Prince of Peace, it's, it's in Hebrew, it's Sar Shalom, S-A-R, Sar means the one in charge, the Lord, the chief, the one that is the general, the Sar Shalom. Shalom, you've probably heard that word before. It simply means greeting. It's peace, peace to you. It's a reference to wholeness. It's a reference to completeness. Do you understand that now? So Sar, the Lord, the general, the one in control, who is peace, wholeness, and completeness. And when you put the Sar Shalom together, being in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, you get Jesus. Sar Shalom. The Lord of peace. The Lord of peace. Back in the day, I was a parking lot attendant at Thomas Road Baptist Church. And we had a huge big parking lot. We had to help all these people find a place to park, and it was a dangerous job. There was a little lady named Miss McVeigh. Some of my TR friends are still here. Her son still is in the choir today. But Miss McVeigh was about as big as this umbrella. And she drove a 1970 model Grand Marquis. Do you remember those cars? The Titanic was not as big as those cars. Miss McVeigh was the sweetest little lady, but when she hit the church parking lot, because everybody knew her, she started waving at everybody, ceasing then to watch where she was going and how she was driving the Titanic through the parking lot. 
It was like cartoon commercials. Bodies were flying left and right as Miss McVeigh made it through the lot. We could never get her in a spot really close because she always came late. You understand that, don't you? Some of you go, amen. Don't look at the other ones that are always late. Just One of our jobs in the parking lot was once we got people parked on rainy days, and my Lynchburg friends will know, we don't call it Lynchburg, we call it Drenchburg. It rains all the time in Lynchburg. And you know what you need when it rains all the time? You need a good umbrella. Now here's the thing about an umbrella. Our job was to help people get from their cars to the church. There should be umbrella walking school. Because people just seem to not know how to walk underneath an umbrella. And some people don't know how to hold an umbrella for people to walk underneath. This should be in the middle. There's room for two. If some of my family, names not mentioned, are walking with me under the umbrella, they move it this way. Does anybody understand the problem of this position in the umbrella? It accomplishes very little. Others in my family, still names and maybe the same person, they like to walk like it's a summer day and they walk this way with it. Again, accomplishes very little. I'm helping some people walk through the parking lot and they don't want to share at all. They're control freaks. They take over the control of the handle of the umbrella and they move it squarely over them. They care little about their friends and family and neighbors. Here's what I love about an umbrella. In a rainstorm, when you're positioned correctly under this umbrella, you're sheltered from all that's going on around you. Oh, I think there's a sermon in there, don't you? <laughs> when Jesus Christ is your, your I can say it, your Sar Shalom, your Lord and Savior, He becomes your umbrella. He is the Prince of Peace that allows you to walk in the midst of storm because storms are still coming. He said, in this life, you will have trouble and trials. But don't be afraid, for I am with you. An umbrella. The Sar Shalom that we can walk with, the Prince of Peace. Folks, some of you need to get under the umbrella today. Some of you need to learn how to practice walking with Jesus in the midst of difficulty. Does that make sense? Some of you are going, I'd like to have that umbrella. <laughs> Let me give you a couple of things. I think the problem with many of us we try to walk our own path and we leave the umbrella to the side. 
Anybody ever bought an umbrella and left it at home? Get out of your car and go, now's when I need it. But you don't take it with you. You don't stay in tune with it. Some of you are only partially committed to an umbrella. You're just partially committed to it. Some of you try to make an umbrella on your own. Anybody ever done that? You forget your umbrella, so you take your coat, you throw it over your head, and it doesn't really work that well, does it? And some just go without an umbrella at all. Folks, when you and I try to live without the umbrella of the Sar Shalom, of Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, can I say it this way? You're about to get soaked in this life. You're about to get soaked, but there is peace under the umbrella. Let me just give this to you quickly. Two kinds of peace that is offered to you and I today. This isn't complicated. This isn't rocket science. It's just truth of the word of God. Somebody in the room today needs to know this and experience this. The first kind of peace that God will give you today is a comforting peace. A comforting peace. John 14, 27 says, Peace I, live with, I leave with you. My peace I give to you. This is Jesus speaking. Underline that. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Folks, did you hear the word of God this morning? The Sar Shalom says, my peace I give to you. What does that mean? That's the person. That's not the circumstance. That's the person. That's Jesus Christ. That's hope. That's salvation. That's eternal life. That's the promise of heaven. That's the redemption here on this earth. That is peace in the midst of chaos. Peace I have with you. My peace I give you. I love that. And this comforting peace that God offers to you and I today is a peace that really doesn't make sense outside of Jesus. Has any of you in the room walked through a difficult time and you get to the backside of it and you go, I don't know how people do this without the Lord. How do you experience loss and tragedy? And, and understand this. You can be a professor of Jesus Christ. You can trust in the person and work of Christ. You can know peace that passes all understanding and all of your world crumbles around you and tragedy overtakes you and circumstances overwhelm you. But because you know Sar Shalom, because Jesus is in your life, you can keep walking and you can keep believing and you're comforted in a way that the world will never understand. But you have a relationship with Jesus and he says, come my child, come on, let me help. That's the piece of Christmas, isn't it? 
second kind of peace that God will give us today is a saving peace. If you think the comforting peace is great, you got to understand the saving peace. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified, circle the word justified, we have been justified by faith. And what does that bring to us? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So there again, the Sar Shalom shows up. It's through Jesus that you get peace with God. And how do you get peace with God? Because you get justified. That justified is a doctrinal term that simply means that when Jesus Christ has become our umbrella, when Christ has become our covering, then we are justified. Just as if we had never sinned. We're finally covered. We're finally redeemed. We're finally with hope and with help. That's life-changing stuff. So if you want to listen fast, I'll talk fast and I'll give you three ways you receive God's peace today. Number one, learn how to trust God with the details. How many of you in the room are list makers? Anybody? Who? who Oh, be proud about it. No, no, you don't, come on, be proud. You're a list maker? How many of you are not a list maker? <laughs> My buddy in the bag, he's like, oh yeah. I don't need no stinking list. <laughs> right? I am a detail person on certain things. You walk into my garage, it looks like it blew up. And I, I have six of every tool known to mankind because I could not find the first five when I needed them. So I bought more. Some of you, I know if I walk into your garage, every tool has its own little space and is labeled and it's cleaned. It's just not right. It's just not right. Let me ask you this. What would it look like for you today to take all of your life, all of your circumstances, all of your troubles, all of your good things, take all of your life, present it before the Lord and go, you know what? I trust you with all of this. I trust you with every detail in my life. You remember the verse we talked about a couple of weeks ago? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. That word he will direct your path means he gives you peace. You get down into Philippians chapter 4. It says, the Lord is at hand. Do you see that? Now remember this. Understand it. The Lord is at hand. What does that mean? Sar Shalom is here. The Lord of peace is here. That's what that says. The Lord of peace is here. What, what does that mean? Then you do not have to be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and application with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what happens when you do that? The peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Can I ask some of you today in this room just to exhale? Truly, just, just exhale and trust Jesus.
with every detail of your life. The second step in this process is learn how to be satisfied with Jesus. Learn how to be satisfied. One of my favorite verses comes out of 1 Timothy 6, 6. It says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. Do you understand that in our culture, there's not much satisfaction? We throw it away quickly. We're tired of it faster than it's ever worn out. We always have to have new. We have to have better. We have to have best. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things. But I'm going to take this to a spiritual part of your world today and ask you when are you going to stop working and stop trying and throwing all the effort at trying to be good enough to earn God's favor and to earn God's love. Can I say this very clearly to you today? There is nothing you can do today that will cause God to make you love you more than he does right now. Nothing, nothing you can do will cause God to love you more than he does now. And here's the flip side of it. There's nothing you can do that will cause God to love you less than he does right now either. There's a point where you become satisfied in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. You go back to Philippians and you see he says that it's not I am speaking of being in need. Paul speaking here, for I have learned in whatever situation to be content. I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. And in every circumstances, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, because I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Exhale, church. Just write it down. Jesus is enough. Say it with me. Jesus is enough. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to identify right now the one thing that seems to be pressing in on you more than anything else. The one thing that steals your joy. The one thing that robs your peace. The one thing that just causes you angst in your spirit. And I want you to take that and offer it before the Lord and go, Lord, even in this situation, you are enough. Now, in order for you and I to have a trust of God in the details, and in order for you and I to be satisfied with who Jesus is, the third one has to actually come first. It's not last, it's first. You have to surrender your life to God. I've already read to you Romans 5.1 that since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at Psalm 29, verse 11. The Lord will give you strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with what? Say it, church. The Lord will bless his people with what? These things, he says, I have written and spoken to you that you may have peace. In all the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. And the psalmist says, in peace. I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me to dwell in safety. Folks, some of you today are walking this way. 
some today are far outside the umbrella of God's peace. And he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And while he may never take all of the circumstances away, in fact, he may use circumstances and difficulties to draw you unto him. The peace, the person of Jesus Christ comes in his covering covers you and I. And we walk in this world with the Sar Shalom, the peace of heaven. And my simple question today is, do you know him? Have you ever accepted Jesus Christ as your savior? I'm not asking if you know about him. I'm asking if you know him. I'm asking if there's been a point in time where you've surrendered your life to him. Is there a point in time where you've gotten serious about this thing? You old preacher, I've sat and heard these kind of things all my life. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do this morning. Look at me. And this is where we say, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. Jesus, I surrender. Jesus, I surrender my life to you, the Lord, the chief, the general of peace, the Sar Shalom. Jesus, I trust you with the details of my life. Jesus, you are enough and I am satisfied overjoyed with who you are. I think of the old hymn, you remember it? All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him and in his presence daily live. That chorus, I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. I wonder who will do that this morning with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. With the opportunity for you and the Lord to talk today. Will you just come to him for the very first time and go, Lord, I am a sinner and I need a savior. And the Lord promises to meet you right where you are. You don't have to go home and clean up first. You come right as you are. And you meet Jesus for the first time. The perfect one, the sinless one who walked into a world of chaos to Emmanuel himself, to be God with us so that you and I would have the hope of heaven and the promise of forgiveness and the joy of redemption. I hope you know him today. And if you've never prayed a simple prayer like this, I'm going to ask you to do it for the very first time. This simply is like this. Not my words, your words, your heart. Dear Jesus, the only way I know how, I ask you to forgive my sin 
and take me to heaven when I die. I trust you to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. And I will commit my way to you. In Jesus' name. The Bible says in such a simple verse, when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, if you really meant that, if that was just not words that you have said, but this is the overflow of your heart, it's the dependence on God, then he says when you do those things, you will be saved. With every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody, nobody looking around, if you made that decision for the very first time today, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I just want you to look up. Nobody else is looking. I'll catch your eye. I just want to know how to pray. Anybody in the room today that made the decision for the first time? Anybody at all? Yeah. 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 You've just experienced the greatest joy and the greatest love and the greatest peace that you will ever have. Merry Christmas.